Tomorrow is? Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Hey, I want to share a message with you. It's a, it's a serious message, uh, but it's something I, I think that we need to talk about. Let's go to Habakkuk. I'm not going to ask you to spell it. I'm just going to ask you to find it. It's in the Old Testament. And we're just going to be in the book of Habakkuk today. He was a, a prophet. Uh, prophet was a man of God. Someone that that was not just a preacher, but God allowed him to see into the future. And, and there were several prophets in the Bible, you know. And uh, But Habakkuk was one of them. And he lived at a time, and we'll say a little more about this as we go, when Judah... Remember, Israel started out, there's 12, 12 tribes, and then after Solomon died, his son Rehoboam took over, and he taxed the people greatly, and 10 of the, kingdom, 10, of the 10 tribes of the north succeeded from the union, and uh, they became known as Israel, and then in the south there was Judah and Benjamin, they were the southern kingdom known as Judah, and Habakkuk his ministry was was toward Judah, and it was uh, along with Jeremiah. You know, he was another prophet in the Old Testament, and uh, they saw that judgment was coming to Judah, and they prophesied uh, and they warned the people concerning that. So we'll say more about that as we go. But Habakkuk. Uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. We'll read this in the New King James Version. Have you, have you found Habakkuk yet? Have you found that? And it starts out here, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. The burden. Now a burden was that which was carried by a prophet or borne by a prophet. It wasn't a physical thing, it was a spiritual thing that was carried or borne by a prophet because of the sins of the nation and God's impending judgment. And uh, so he had a burden for Judah. And uh, of course, as we said, tomorrow is the 4th of July and that marks the Day of Independence of America. And... Uh, uh, so for lack of a better title, we're titling this Independence. I'm glad that we have independence, aren't you? And, you know, the United States was founded upon the Word of God as a Christian nation. Over the past 240 years, this is our 240th birthday tomorrow as a, as a nation, over the last 240 years, this nation has had its ups and its downs. It's endured a civil war, two world wars, Vietnam, even to our current involvement in the Middle East and other things we could, we could mention. America has had godly presidents and ungodly presidents. And I, want, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I'm blessed to be an American. How about you? So, you know. 
And while argument could be made that the message that I'm sharing today could have been preached at many other junctures over the past 240 years, it just seems necessary at this time to to talk about these things that we're going to talk about today. You need to realize that a generation has arisen in this nation that does not know God. And there is a generation of Christians has arisen that does not seek the doctrine of God, the teaching of the word of God, but is more interested in entertainment. You understand that? By and large. And you need to realize this if you don't realize it, that. That churches, by and large, not all of them, but the vast majority, have turned into entertainment centers rather than houses of worship. It's happened right before our eyes over the last many years. And the spiritual atmosphere of this nation is far different than it was... I mean, this is not the, this is this nation is not the nation I grew up in. And you need to realize that over the last seven years or so. This current presidential administration has allowed demonic power to arise in this nation that we've not seen. You need to understand that. And as a minister of the gospel I have to say these kinds of things. And I'm going to say it again over the last seven or so years. This current presidential administration has allowed demonic power to arise in this nation that we've not seen before. In 1973, let's move back to there. Abortion was legalized in the nation. And from that time to this, 58,586,256 babies have been slaughtered in their mother's wombs. Can a nation be great which allows this sort of thing? And the answer is emphatically no. You think about that, 58,586,256 babies slaughtered in their mother's wombs legally, supposedly legally in the last, since 1973. I can't stand here as a man of God and proclaim blessing on that, on a nation that allows that. And I'm assigned by the Holy Ghost to stand here today, whether anybody likes it or not. See, I'd rather preach something else than what I'm preaching today. I really would. But when God gives you an assignment, you have to, well, you don't have to, but I'm going to carry it out. We need to take a long, hard look at that number, 58 million 586,256 babies this nation has slaughtered in their mother's womb. And there's people that would like me to stand here and proclaim blessing on that. And there's no man of God that's a man of God or a woman of God that can do that. 
I didn't just say 58 million. I said 58,586,256. Because every, why a specific number? Because every last one of those babies are individual and important. And you need to realize that if a woman has had an abortion, God can and will forgive that. Those babies, every last one of them, went to be with the Lord. Don't misunderstand me. But this cannot just be swept under the carpet and not talked about. It needs to be mentioned from every pulpit in the nation. Does that number do anything to you? I said, does that number do anything to you? If that number doesn't do anything to you, you need to get saved. Because anybody that's saved, that number will tug at their heart. 58,586,256. Can a nation be great which allows this? Most recently, marriage was redefined by the Supreme Court as if they think they can do such a thing, but they did it. And the colors of God's rainbow being desecrated as the colors of homosexuality, which is a sinful lifestyle. Were displayed upon the White House. And even over the last several days. If you've been listening to the news. Homosexual sin continues to rise to the forefront in this nation. Being accepted by the leadership of this this nation. As the transgender has now been accepted unashamedly in the military. By the leadership that has been appointed by our votes. This is serious, dear friends. And you need to understand, I would much rather stand here today and preach a hip, hip, hoorah sermon. I'd much rather stand here today and preach on the grace of God or something like that. But if you're going to do what I do, you've got to preach these things at times. I'm doing it because tomorrow is the 4th of July and this is what the Holy Ghost told me to do. If these things that I've just said in the last few minutes don't bother you, you're either not saved or you are saved and you've become so desensitized to it. The devil's a desensitizer. You need to understand that. He'll just little by little try to desensitize to where you don't realize how how sinful things have become. Habakkuk, this prophet, Unlike Jeremiah, did not seem to speak directly to Judah in his book, but rather he asked God behind the scenes about what lay ahead for Judah. Wouldn't you like to know some behind the scenes stuff? So before I proceed with that, we need to know what was going on in Judah to fully understand the burden that Habakkuk Because you see, I walked into this church today, I came into this pulpit this morning with a burden for this nation. A burden for this nation. 
didn't come today to entertain you or make you feel good. I came today to share this burden that I have for this nation with you. It's a burden that we all really ought to be carrying. Did you hear me? Yes. You see, Judah, this Israel, Judah, started out as a great nation. Loving God, seeking and honoring Him. But as time went on, they forsook God. They stopped honoring God. They stopped praying to Him and seeking Him. Wickedness, backsliding and rebellion prevailed. They had an obsession with greed and prosperity. How many of you would agree with me you ought to talk more about Jesus than you do money? They became idolaters. They worshipped a sex goddess. Who was no goddess at all, but nonetheless, they put sex at the forefront. Sexual sin abounded. Homosexuality was most prevalent. They too, in Judah, like here in this nation, they shed the blood of innocent children. They didn't kill them in their mother's wombs. They threw them in the fire and burned them. Did you hear what I just said? The true prophets of God, listen to this, were preaching a message of repentance to Judah or there would be judgment. God warned and warned for some 40 years to repent through Jeremiah and through others. And Jeremiah warned of a boiling pot that was about to tip. See, God doesn't judge. How many of you know God doesn't like to judge anybody? He doesn't want to judge anybody. The Bible says very clearly, if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. God does not get, have any fun in judging people. I believe that when he judges, he does it with tears in his eyes. And he warns and warns and warns and warns before he ever brings judgment. But you need to realize that in Judah, like what we see here in America now, the majority of the preachers... Were telling people what they wanted to hear. They were telling the people that blessing would abound without repentance. You see, God wants blessing to abound in this nation, but it will not continue to abound unless there is repentance. At one point, God told Jeremiah to go to the temple and preach his message of impending judgment and call to repentance. And Jeremiah was told by God to go to the temple and tell the people not to listen to the feel-good sermons of the false prophets. Jeremiah, I know we're talking about Habakkuk, but Jeremiah had the same issues Then that we have now in this nation. And listen to this. As a result of the messages. I mean Jeremiah was not popular. People hated him. They didn't want to listen to his sermons. You understand that? A true prophet of God that would stand and preach much like I'm preaching here today. And they didn't want to listen. They didn't want to. They want to tell us something that will make us feel good. And they mocked him. They 
They used they had a name for him, old terror on every side, because every time he got up, he preached and warned the people of the impending judgment. He's known as Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet. He would get up. He had fire in his bones, but he had tears in his eyes. He had fire shut up in his bones. He had to preach the word of God, but he has tears in his eyes for the because the people had turned away from God. And people didn't want to hear his message. They called him old terror on every side. Every time you get up to preach, it's, it's judgment. They didn't want to listen to him. And as a result of the messages of the feel-good false prophets, the people had, listen to me, the people, we're talking about God's people, had become so cold toward God and so desensitized to sin that the Bible said that the chances of them changing... Though not impossible, but it was about the same as a leopard changing its spots. Did you hear me? And so Habakkuk, back to him, he's so troubled by this. Look at verse 2, Habakkuk 1 verse 2. This will be in the New Living Translation. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. Habakkuk is so troubled. I know I mentioned some things about Jeremiah, but you need to realize Jeremiah and Habakkuk ministered at about the same time. But this Habakkuk, he's so troubled about the direction the nation of Judah has taken. He questions God about it. And he says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? This is verse 2, Habakkuk 1, verse 2, New Living Translation. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you don't, you don't listen. You don't seem to be hearing me. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed. There is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted he was crying out to God it's interesting he said there is no justice in the courts how many of you know justice ought to be equal for everyone even for presidential candidates did you hear what I just said there's nobody should be above the law But Habakkuk's crying out to God, you know, this is all going on. Lord, when are you going to do something? What are you going to do? Have you ever felt like that? You know, God, when are you going to do something? Oh, don't forget, though, God is, say this, say, God is merciful. Say, God is gracious. Say, he's slow to anger. Aren't you glad that he is? And so notice verse five here. Habakkuk 1 verse 5, New Living Translation, the Lord replied, you know, he's going to reply. And he says, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. If you're a note taker, if you're a Bible highlighter, you ought to highlight that and think about that. As we move on out here into the future, as it pertains to the United States of America, I just feel impressed to say that to you. I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. And then in verse six, 
God tells Habakkuk something that Habakkuk, I'm sure, does not want to hear. But he says, I'm raising up the Babylonians. And if you study into it, it would better read like this. God is saying, I'm going to allow the Babylonians to arise. That's really what the what what that's saying is you study into the Hebrew. He said, I'm going to allow the Babylonians to arise. A cruel and violent people, they'll march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone, but they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. So... Jeremiah, uh, Habakkuk says, Lord, why don't you do something about all the evil that's going on in this nation? And God says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do something. You wouldn't believe it even if someone told you, but here's what's going to happen. Because of the sins of the people, and this is clearly what happened, he said, essentially what he's saying is, my hand of protection is going to lift, and these Babylonians are going to come in and wreak havoc in your nation. Now, am I saying that that is what's going to happen here in this nation? I'm not saying that. But I tell you what, have you been following the news lately and you see a terror attack here, a terror attack there, a terror attack here, a terror attack there? I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to this nation, but I do tell you what, we are living in perilous times in this nation. Can anybody say amen to that? So in chapter 2, which we'll look at in just a moment, Habakkuk again questions God about why he is allowing such evil people to arise in judgment against Judah. And then God goes on later in chapter 2 to assure Habakkuk that these evil Babylonians will eventually reap what they sow and be destroyed. And I want to tell you that eventually ISIS, somewhere down the road, uh, God will deal with them and they will be destroyed at some point. You need to understand that. But in the meantime is what concerns me. Now, before we continue with Habakkuk and say a few more things there, I want to say something at this point. I want you to just listen. And I can miss it. But I believe, and this is what as I've prayed, the Lord has shown me over the last years, That the judgment of God is pending on the United States of America. And it will eventually come. Unless there's true repentance. And an outcry to him for forgiveness. And that is what God wants. God wants this nation to repent. And get back to him. As I said a moment ago. He doesn't want to judge the nation he doesn't want to bring judge. He doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do. How many of you know God's a good God? He doesn't want to do that. But you can't kill 58 million plus babies 
and allow homosexuality to, 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 to become the law of the land and, and throw the colors of God's rainbow up on the White House. You can't do those sorts of things over and over and over again and just thumb God in, right, and stick your thumb in his, in his eye again and again and again and, 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 and not eventually have to pay for it. Did you hear what I just said? God is merciful. He is gracious. And he just wants the nation to repent. And I tell you what, you study the Bible. When, when a nation would repent, God would just, it would thrill him and judgment would, would not come. And if judgment had started and people would repent, God would relent. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's looking for repentance. Someone might say, but there's so much light of the gospel going forth from the United States that God would never judge us. Don't ever think that God would never judge someone because of sin. Don't ever think that God would not judge a nation because of sin. I thank God for the light of the gospel that's going out around the world from this nation. But this nation has become exceedingly sinful. Others would say, well, Pastor Terry, listen, Sodom, how many remember Sodom in the Old Testament? Some have said to me over the years, well, Pastor Terry, Sodom would have been spared for ten righteous. And that's true. And the USA has a lot more than ten righteous in it. And that's true. And then they go on to say that Lot, Abraham's nephew, had to be taken out of Sodom before God judged the city and destroyed it. And that's true. But in that same paragraph, you also need to understand that judgment came on. Listen to me closely now. Judgment came on Judah even while Jeremiah and Habakkuk were present there, righteous prophets of God. Did you get what I just said? Some people say, well, God wouldn't judge the United States. The Christians are here. I understand that. But you, you also need to understand that, that the righteous people were in Judah when God allowed judgment to come. Did you hear that? I believe there's calamity coming to this nation. The Spirit of God said this to me some years ago. I've shared it with my wife. I've shared it with a few other people's, I, people. I've even said it from the pulpit a time or two. I don't like to get up here and talk like this. Sometimes it needs to be done. I believe there's calamity coming to this nation like we've not seen before. Unless there's repentance. I'll tell you right now. And I'll, How many remembers when I sat right on that stage? And I guess it was the end of 06, early 07. And God allowed me to sit in the office of the prophet. And I sat right there and I prophesied the fall, the collapse the economic upheaval in 2008. How many was, was there, How many remembers that happened just like the Holy Ghost said it would? And I'm telling you, there's another financial crisis coming. It's going to be worse than that one. I, I, I saw some, some a couple of years back even. I, I told my wife, I shared it with one or two others. I saw the, the economies of Europe as I was praying. I saw it in the spirit. I saw the economies of Europe. I saw them fall like dominoes. And then it came to the United States. I don't know if you've been paying any attention to the news, but that Brexit, how many heard of that? That's 
probably just the start of things to come. Pastor Diane and I looked at the national debt clock last night. You ought to go to it on Google and look at that national debt. Just clicking with every breath, it's all—it's hundreds of thousands of dollars in national debt. Every time you breathe, hundreds of thousands of dollars adding on to that. The economy in this nation is very ill. All you have to do is look at the stock market. I don't know how many of you follow that, but it'll go up 200 points one day, it'll... Drop 300 points the next day. It'll, 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 it'll level off for a couple of days. Then it'll go up, it'll go up 300 and then it'll level off. Then it'll drop several hundred. And, and, and if people that don't understand anything about finances and economy might not understand that. But let me ask you about your weight. Everybody understands about their weight. If a person steps on the scale in the morning and it's 150 pounds and then Usually you'll weigh a little less in the morning than in the evening. You step on the scale in the evening and it's 153. That's no big deal, is it? And then the next morning you might get on the scale and it might be 149. And and then the next day or that evening it might be 152. A little fluctuation is normal, is that right? But what if you got on the scale one morning, it was 150. And then that evening it was 310. And then the next morning it was 86. And then the next day it was 412. And then the next day it was was 15. I mean, a person like that would be sick. Terribly sick. Probably dead. Is that right? Well, that, that, that stock market shouldn't be fluctuating like that. It's just a sign that the economy is very sick. Am I telling this to scare you? No, I'm just telling this to you. We, you know, God warns before he does things. Did you hear what I just said? Are you okay? The Lord is upset with the elderly being stolen from because of these interest rates. God loves all people. He loves the elderly. And the elderly are having a tough time right now because interest rates have been, have been, have been jockeyed by the financial people and the interest rates are really low and, and elderly people are having trouble. They, they ought to be making a fair interest return on their money and, and, and they're being cheated out of that and God's upset with it. Amen. Did you hear what I just said? I said God doesn't like it. There's more I could say but we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. But unless there's repentance, you're going to see some of these things as we move on out into the future. And I'm not talking about the United States Senate, the House and the, the senators standing on the, on the steps of the Capitol singing God bless America. That's not going to get it done. There's going to have to be some true repentance in this nation. Did you hear what I just said? It's going to take more than them just standing out there one time singing God bless America. Did you hear what I just said? There's going to have to be, I'm speaking now as a representative of God. Listen, there's going to have to... This is what the Holy Ghost is saying. There's going to have to be repentance in leadership in this nation, both spiritual and political. There's going to have the pulpits are going to have to again teach the doctrine of the word of God. Churches are going to have to be turned back into houses of worship and prayer. They're going to have to no longer be entertainment centers. 
Jesus and the Bible is going to have to be allowed back into the public school system and back into the public squares. The Ten Commandments are going to have to go back into the schoolrooms of the United States of America. Morality is going to have to come back in line with the Word of God. Roe versus Wade is going to have to be overturned. And same-sex marriage ruling is going to have to be reversed. All of it. And there's no exceptions, thus saith the Holy Ghost. I'm standing here now, I seldom say this, but as a prophet of God, and that's what the Holy Ghost is saying, those things are going to have to happen, or you're going to see the judgment of God come on this nation. No more kumbaya moments of just singing God bless America on the steps of the Capitol. I'm going to say it again so nobody misunderstands me. True repentance. Pulpits in this nation back teaching the word of God saying, Thus saith the Lord, not what people want to hear, not making them laugh, not making them feel all ugly-wuggly on the inside, but teaching the word of God, encouraging them, uplifting them, and all of that, but bringing correction when correction is needed, the doctrine of the word of God being taught from the pulpits, the churches being houses of worship and prayer, no longer entertainment centers, Jesus back in the public school, I said Jesus back in the public schools, his Bible back in the public schools the Ten Commandments posted in the public square the Ten Commandments on the on the front of every classroom glory to God forevermore yeah that's I didn't stutter that's what's gonna that's what it's gonna take morality back in this in this nation the the, the garbage on the television is gonna have to go I said the garbage on the television is gonna have to go Roe versus Wade is going to have to be overturned and same-sex marriage is going to have to be reversed. Or you can look for the judgment of God to come on this nation. And I'm not taking it back. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. So what are we supposed to do? I'm going to close with what we're supposed to do. Habakkuk 2 verse 1. We're living in a serious hour, dear friends. Here's what Habakkuk did after he heard such a statement similar to what I just made to you. He said, I'll climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. That's something we all ought to do. What does that mean? We need to we need to be watchful as as Christians. We need to be watchful. And we need to stand 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 a post. And stand guard over what God has entrusted to us. I'm going to stand in this pulpit and I'm going to stand guard over you as your pastor and do everything I can to protect you by teaching you the word of God and praying for you. I'm going to continue to do what I do regularly for each of you is declare that no weapon formed against you will prosper. I'm going to do what I do regularly for you is charge the angels of God that have been assigned to you that they'll protect you and keep you from harm lest you even dash your foot against a stone, lest you even stub your little toe. That's what I do for you as your pastor. See, I guard my post. You want a pastor that's doing that. 
You want a pastor that's not trying to figure out during the week, what, what prop can I bring in? What prop can I put up on the stage? What can I do to entertain these people to make them like me more? No, you want a pastor that's going to be declaring and speaking words, the word of God to your angels, keeping your angels active, you see. Because I realize most Christians don't do that, so I'm doing it for you, bless God, you see. Did you hear what I just said? And I'm going to do my best to stand my post and to guard you and watch and pray. You need to do the same thing. Over what God's entrusted to you. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint or really my question. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. I think I've made it pretty plain to you this morning what what I feel the Spirit of God is saying. He says, this vision is for a future time. And we've been talking about some future events here. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Here's the second thing you can do is live faithful to God. Live faithful to God. The Bible says right here in another version, the just shall live by faith. And it's so important that three times God reiterates this to us in the New Testament, in Romans, in Galatians, and in Hebrews. The just shall live by... Say that. Say the just... Shall live by faith. And another way of saying that is remain faithful to God. No matter what happens in this nation, no matter how, no matter what happens, I want to encourage you to not only watch, pray, be faithful over what God has given you, but also to be faithful to God. Two things that we all can do. Two things that we all can do. And then notice Habakkuk 3 verse 1. Look at this. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. He was a musician. He was a singer. I'm not gifted in that way. But he was. He was a singer. And this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. Notice verse 2. I have heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, this would be real something to mark if you're a note taker, if you're a Bible highlighter. This would be real something, something real good to be praying. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. The, the Lord's helped this nation in years gone by. Help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, watch this, in your anger, remember what? Your mercy. It'd be a real good thing if you're a prayer to be praying at this time as we move on out. And then verse 13, I just want to call your attention to it because sometimes preaching like this can scare people. But if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't need to be afraid of anything. Did you hear me? He says, you went out to rescue your chosen people to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. Listen to me. God will always rescue those who are faithful to him. And he'll always save those who place their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget that. 
And then verse 17, just a few more verses. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines. In other words, he's saying no matter how bad it might get. And even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren. Even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. No matter, no matter if, the, if there's no bread on the shelves. No matter what happens. Notice verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. Can you say amen? And that's an attitude you want to have in this hour. No matter what happens, rejoice in the Lord, be joyful in the God of my salvation. And verse 19 says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. That's what God has for everybody who will be faithful to him and rejoice in him. He'll make, though though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, He'll make you as sure-footed as a deer and you'll tread upon the heights. How many accepts that? Glory to God. See, a true man or woman of God, when they preach a message like this, though there may be some rough parts of the message, but if they're flowing with the Holy Ghost, there's always encouragement If there's repentance and there's always encouragement for those who place their faith and remain faithful to God. You need to understand that. So, four things to remember on the 4th of July. And then I want to read you something that I think you'll find interesting and then we'll close. Four things to remember on this 4th of July. You better listen to me. The first thing was watch, stand and guard your post. We saw that. The second thing was live faithfully to God. The third thing was pray that in his anger he will remember his mercy. And finally rejoice in the Lord. Can we all do that? I think we can. I tell you what, I've preached messages. I've been preaching for 21 years. And I'm standing up here and my legs are shaking. I don't, you can't see it, but my, my legs are shaking. It's not because I'm cold either. It's because of the presence of God and this is an awesome time in which we live. This is a serious hour. This is not an hour for Christians to be feasting and playing, but rather to be fasting and praying. Did you hear what I just said? What are those four things? Number one, watch, stand and guard your post. Everybody can do that. Second is live faithfully to God. Everybody can do that. Third, pray that in his anger he'll remember his mercy. And finally, number fourth, rejoice in the Lord. Everybody can do that. Did you hear me? Now I'm going to leave you with this. A 90-year-old woman in Norway had a vision from God in 1968. Now as I share this, I'm not saying for sure that this came from the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that for sure, but if I didn't feel good about it, I wouldn't be reading it from this pulpit. So you judge for yourselves. This is not reading from the Bible now. This is a 90-year-old woman in Norway in 1968 had a vision from God. Maybe it was from God, maybe it wasn't. If I didn't think that it was, then I wouldn't be reading it to you. So that's enough said. There was an evangelist, Emmanuel Minos was his name. He had meetings there. This is back in 1968. And this evangelist, Emmanuel Minos, had meetings where she lived. He had the opportunity to meet this woman. And she told him what she had seen. 
He wrote it down, but thought it was so unintelligible that he put it in a drawer. Now, almost 50 years later, give or take, he understands he had to share the vision with others, and he just recently has done that. This woman was very alert, reliable, awake, incredible Christian. She had a good reputation with all who knew her, and this is what she saw. Are you ready? Here's what she said. I saw the time just before the coming of Jesus and the outbreak of the Third World War. I saw the events with my natural eyes. So God evidently gave her an open vision. I saw the world like a kind of globe and I saw Europe land by land. I saw Scandinavia. I saw Norway. I saw certain things that would take place just before the return of Jesus and just before the last calamity happens, a calamity the likes of which we have never before experienced. And she mentioned four things. First of all, she said a lukewarmness without parallel will take hold of the Christians. A falling away from the true living Christianity will occur. Christians will not be open for penetrating preaching. They will not, like in earlier times, want to hear of sin and grace, law and gospel, repentance and restoration. There will be there will come a, a, a substitute in se- instead. Prosperity or happiness Christianity. Have we seen that? The important thing will be to have success, to be something, to have material things, things that God never promised us in this way. In other words, preachers talking more about money than they are Jesus. Have we seen that? Churches and prayer houses will be emptier and emptier. And the implication is the ones that are preaching the message of the gospel. Instead of the preaching we have been used, used to for generations, like to take up your cross and follow Jesus, listen to this, entertainment, art, and culture will invade the churches. Where there should have been gatherings for repentance and revival, and this will increase markedly just before the return of Jesus. The second thing she said, this 1968, she said there will be a moral disintegration. People will live together like married without being married. In other words, they're going to cohabitate together. This was far less likely back then. Now, people living together, it's like an accepted thing in this nation. How many of you know it's still sin? Isn't it? Two people. First of all, a man and a man shouldn't, shouldn't be ever be joined. Or a woman and a woman. How many of you know that's sin? And a man and a woman shouldn't be living together. Is that right? Unless they're married. But down in this nation, if folks are living together, whether they're of the same sex or are, are opposite sex, it's just accepted. Am I right? Well, she said people will live together like married without being married. They'll cohabitate. That was, not, that was almost unheard of back then. Much uncleanness before marriage and much infidelity in marriage will become the natural, the common, and it will be justified from every angle. Have we seen that? It will even enter Christian circles and we pet it. 
even sin against nature, talking about homosexuality. Just before Jesus' return, there will be TV programs like we've never experienced. There's stuff on TV I never thought I'd see when I was a kid growing up. Got to turn it off. How many of you have ever had to turn it off? She said, TV, listen to this, TV will be filled with such horrible violence that it teaches people to murder and destroy each other. And it will be unsafe in our streets. People will copy what they see. Boy, this really got my attention, this next one. There will not be only one TV station, but it will, the TV will be filled with stations just like the radio. Well, now, today, that's, I mean... When I grew up, there was channel 2, channel 4, channel 5, channel 9, 11, and 30. And six channels. Some cities just had one or two. TV was just coming to Norway at this time. And she saw into the future, and she said there's coming a time where there will be, the TV will be filled with stations. Growing up, I had six stations. Now, I've probably got 200 stations on television. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You've got satellite or cable. You know, now about half of them aren't worth having. There's nothing on them anyway. And the other half of them, there's nothing worse. I won't get into that. But do you see this woman? This woman was seeing this. How many of you know that television's filled with channels? Isn't it? She said it'd just be like radio. Growing up, there used to be bunches of radio stations, but just a few televisions. She said the the television will be filled with stations and filled with violence. People will use it for entertainment. We will see terrible scenes of murder and destruction, one of another. And this will spread in society. Sex scenes will also be shown on the screen. The most intimate things that should only take place in a marriage will be right on television. It will happen and you will see it. All we have had before will be broken down and the most indecent things will pass before our eyes. That's number two. Number three, just a couple more. Listen to this. She says, people from poor countries will stream into Europe. If you paid any attention to the news, that's... There will be so many of them that people will begin to dislike them and and they'll become hard with them. They'll be treated like Jews before the Second World War. And then she says the full measure of our sins will have been reached. And then she talked about the last thing. She talked about a third world war will begin in a way no one could have anticipated and from an unexpected place. So you can judge that whether or not that is right or not. And then she closed by, or this evangelist closed by saying, the tears streamed from the old woman's eyes down her cheeks. She said to this evangelist, I won't see it, but you will. She said, then suddenly Jesus will come. And now this is what she said. I'm not saying this is going to happen. This is what she said. She said, Jesus will come and the third world war will break out. It'll be a short war. She said, all that I've seen of war before is child's play compared to this one. And then she said, I'm not saying this. She said this. It'll be ended with a nuclear bomb. She said, the air will be so polluted that one cannot draw one's breath. She said, it will cover several continents, America, Japan, Australia. 
and the wealthy nations. Only thing I can tell you is that judgments come come into this nation if there's not repentance. I'm not saying that. She said that. I'm just telling you what I can tell you from what I know is that judgments pending on the nation if there's not a national repentance. She said the water would be contaminated. The soil would no longer be fit to to till. The result will be that only a remnant will, will remain. The remnant in the wealthy countries will try to flee to the poor countries, but they'll be as hard on us as we were on them. She said, I'm so glad I'll not see it, but when the time draws near, you must take courage and tell this, which he did. Just recently he came out with this. this he released this. He's had it since 1968. The lady said, I received it from God and nothing of it goes against what the Bible tells. And it doesn't. And then she said this, the one who has their sin forgiven and has Jesus as Savior and Lord will be safe. And I like the way she ended that. The one who has their sin forgiven and has Jesus as Savior and Lord will be safe. Stand with me if you would. Stand with me, bow your heads. I'm going to close here in just a minute. Don't leave if you can possibly stay. Just please stay. Just for a couple more moments. As we stand in the presence of a holy God. The heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Just standing before God. Just... We just need to stand here for a moment. I'm going to close in prayer in just a moment. But if you're here today, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you to accept Him today. Receive Him. Say, how do I do that, Pastor Terry? Well, as soon as I dismiss, in just minutes from now, there'll be some men and women standing up here. All you got to do is walk up to the front and just say, hey, I want to get saved. I want to I wanna make Jesus my Lord. And if you'll do that, Jesus will come into your heart. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. He'll make your life worth living. And like this lady said, and more importantly, like the Bible says, you'll be safe. That's the place to be in this hour, is in Jesus. You get in Jesus by repenting of your sins and asking him into your heart. So if you need to do that, when we dismiss, you just come up here and ask one of these nice people that will be up here as as everyone else is leaving or talking or whatever. You come up and just say, hey, I 